You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Libertarian Country is one of the fastest growing and most popular liberty-themed apparel companies in the world. This American-based company was founded by two brothers out of Baltimore who had a vision to create an online store that offers fun, unique, and controversial political clothing and accessories. This five-star company offers the hottest shirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So check them out today. This is an independently-owned, liberty-loving business that basically gives you the exact type of apparel and paraphernalia that you've wanted anyway. You just didn't know you wanted it now. Every purchase you make using the link in the show notes allows a small part of your purchase to come back and support the show. So go on, go grab some awesome libertarian country swag using that link in the show notes. You'll thank me later. Real fast, let me go ahead and tell you about Inbox Dollars. Are you looking for a side hustle so easy you could do it while sitting on the toilet or in between commercials watching your favorite show? Unless you're like on demand and commercials are like an ancient thing to you. Hear me out. Inbox Dollars has your back. For 20 years, Inbox Dollars has paid over $59 million in cash rewards to its members for doing everyday online activities such as reading emails, taking online surveys, playing games, and watching videos and TV. They also have ongoing promos and contests for members to win money online. And they share the top ways for people to get beauty samples, free printable coupons, and other free online stuff. With so many easy ways to earn extra cash online and having fun in the process, it's no wonder Forbes, Mashable, Bustle, and so many other trusted outlets name Inbox Dollars the easiest and fastest way to earn money online. If you're looking for a way to influence future products and services while getting paid at the same time, then Inbox Dollars is for you. Click the special link in the show notes of this episode today and get $5 just for signing up. Get this $5 signing bonus just for creating an account. That's Inbox Dollars. The link is in the show notes of today's episode. Get it, get your $5, and get started. yourself you're on the run with remzo w martinez a long time ago in a galaxy far far away to go ahead and infringe on the lore of one franchise many others came out of it and to this day it still ranks as one of the games that made my childhood and probably one of yours yes folks we're talking about the legend the real first love of my life the mass effect oh wait what's that I have to edit that. I just completely had a complete brain fuck up. What the hell? Okay. Do you just want to start over? Mass Effect trilogy. <laughs> the first love of my life, the legendary series that impacted my childhood and most likely yours. Yes, I am talking about the Mass Effect trilogy, folks. Welcome once again. I have the degenerate panel. We have one quarter Persian. Zed, Zed, how is life? Going well. Uh, Sean, Sean is in Delaware right now because that's a thing that white people do. They go to beaches in Delaware. Sean, can you please confirm that you are wearing pants? I am wearing pants, RJ. Thanks. Okay. We visual we, proof. We, we don't need visual proof. I will. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. And then we have at the, at the, uh, producer's table today, handling video feed and everything else. Derek, Derek, how's life? 
It's pretty good, RJ. Pretty good. Pretty Damn good it is. Well, folks, we came here because as we're discovering the, the things that made us who we are, there are certain points where we branch off from boys to men. And in our case, we're looking at a moment where we definitely turn from boys to very, very, very teenage teenagers. And what we're talking about is a game that isn't just something that we spent obscene amount of hours playing, like many of you probably did if you came up with the millennial generation. But it was certainly a game that made us question, can we be creative? What is there to push us in our imagination beyond the stars? What makes video games such good methods of telling story stories? And ultimately... How many opportunities do you have to get laid by super hot alien women? Yes, we're talking about Mass Effect, as I mentioned earlier. This game isn't just something that I, you know, myself spent obscene amount of summers just sitting in front of the TV playing. It's how I made friends. And as you know, in a few episodes prior, this is a game that brought me and Zed together. Zed, how about you go ahead and explain this? Well, okay, so... As much as I remember, this is how we actually met each other for the first time. I have to start drinking now. Go ahead. This game. Well, this is what you say, the first conversation we had when we met each other. Apparently, we met each other in gym class, and I look at you, and I'm like, hey, you know there's this video game called Mass Effect, and you can have sex with alien ladies? That was basically it. After that, yeah, how, how do you leave a conversation like that? That's like, tell me more. Tell me more. Would you like to know more? (laughs) Because it's not the fact that we're all just going through our adolescent hormonal changes. It's that this type of stuff that we really take for granted now through TV and streaming and the internet, this game was really one of those first things that combined really good storytelling, awesome shooter experiences, the great sci-fi action of all our favorite films and series, Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate. But it also added that little degenerate side of us that said, is this really a game? Because now it's just getting really, really. Well, yeah, you know, this game, I knew about it before uh, of all the controversy with all the the romance options and stuff like that. I actually saw it on this site called GameTrailers.com. It's no no more anymore because of YouTube. But back in the day before YouTube, if you wanted to watch gaming videos, you went to a site that specialized in gaming content so yeah i saw a review on gametrailers.com and i'm like this game's pretty cool so i bought it but then a few months later on youtube i saw this article by fox news called xbox or sex box you decide yeah that this is one of those moments where it, it was coming out around the time of uh, mass effect 2 and i before we go ahead and play the clip that ultimately made my parents question whether or not they would buy it for me and my brother. This is also one of those moments where it was really a game that had a cult following, but it wasn't until Mass Effect 2 came out that it actually became popular. Uh, is, is that is that safe to say? Yeah, pretty much. It's after like EA acquired it and started pushing all the marketing. I was like, oh my God, this game is so cool. But yeah, the, I would... you know, the whole Fox News article was blown way out of proportion because when they say oh you could have sex with alien ladies it's really like a pg-13 version of a romance scene you know we'll we'll get there don't worry yeah it's just like (laughs) it's like no nudity and it's just characters being intimate with each other with like fancy romantic music and that's that's it but fox news made it sound like it was like one of those sex games where it's like if you play this you're gonna come in 10 seconds you know what i mean it's like they've never seen any video game that came out of japan yeah Mm -hmm. i I worked in 
So before before <laughs> we get to this video of the controversy that almost prevented all of us from actually getting our hands on this game because all our parents watch Fox. I worked at a, I, I've mentioned this before. I worked at GameStop after college and it, it was really like, I, I would not call myself a gamer. I only really play a couple of video games. The last games I remember actually playing were uh, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, Spider-Man for PS4 and Red Dead Redemption 2. Other than that, I really haven't touched anything else. But what was strange was that when I worked at GameStop, I began to realize that there are more games coming out than just the ones that you're constantly seeing ads for on TV. And what was strange is I, I always knew that these games existed where it's like these strange, obscure Japanese video games where they have all this extremely X-rated like tentacle content in there. And I, I just always wondered, how do people in the United States acquire it? Well, GameStop has all these games in the back. The thing is, though, much like old porn stores, you have to ask for it, and it's all kept in the back. So people would come up to me of these titles that had, like, you know, 17 different words because, of course, Japan. And then I would be at the cash register like, I don't think we have that. And the manager would come by, put his hand in front of me as if to stop me and be like, no, I know what you need. As him and this degenerate make eye contact. And then he goes to the back, pulls it out, came with this really freaky cover with like a schoolgirl on there and obviously tentacles. And then oh, he no. rings them up because I don't I, like this is like a drug deal type of transition. And then the dude who looks like he hasn't seen sunlight in months grabs it and flees like he's a criminal. Well, you know, that's what I like about uh, Steam because, you know, Steam is actually a, a free market platform because they cater to all developers. They don't got that, oh, we want to keep it family friendly. If you're yeah, so, an artist, if you're a developer, you can put your stuff so, on there. So your your manager of GameStop is just like hiding stashes of like weird Japanese hentai games. games. Hentai games. And, uh, the and, they have a, and, they, and they have a lot of those too. Like I actually went to the back of the store and I, I, I looked around and it's... It, it was a box. I don't know if it was like this at every store, but it said upon request only. And I'm That's like, hilarious. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at this. I'm like, why would it be upon request? Well, like, why how did well, how did no one is, find out about this? They're like, all genuinely. garbage, though. They're all like, it's like they're so low effort. They're just cash. They're, they're, it's just a cash grab. Because yeah, I mean, if like, you look at screenshots of these games, it's like a mobile game, like Candy Crush. It's like, oh, you get five in a row, and oh, she's blushing for you and shit yeah. like that. It's yeah, like but, you pay sixty dollars for this. Yeah, but you would you would think that like that this would be an amazing clickbait Fox News article. GameStop selling porn like i, I mean we're, we're still charging people like 60 dollars for that stuff and if as soon as you take out the the plastic covering it we'll give you two dollars if you don't just want to exchange it directly after 30 days but it was just like yeah, th- as 30 I, cents yeah as i look at games coming out now like what was the what was the one that came out that all the gamers actually hated the last of us 2 Oh yeah, it was yeah. terrible. I, I remember we were at uh, we were on Sean's front porch talking yeah, about that, and we we pulled up it. all the controversial scenes, and we were like, "This isn't this is one. This is like stuff you see on, on in any HBO show or anything else." Secondly, it's just also bad. With bad. with Mass Effect, it was criticized for all the wrong reasons, but it's been able to stay a lasting game because ultimately, it's good for everybody. For people that want a good story, for people that want something that's almost you know Hollywood worthy. And then for everything, it's it's a game really for everybody of every walk of life. There's always something. There's always a different reason why people like it. But with that said, Derek, will you please roll the clip? I will roll the clip. Give me just one moment. You have to see young Jeff Keeley in this. 
let me just make sure it's actually doing what I have. Okay, it is. And go. Okay, up front, and for folks, just remember, you can watch the full video version of this episode on Patreon, uh, where you can go ahead and see this in all its glory. Right now, Fox News is playing the trailer for the first Mass Effect. It's like they're selling the game. They really are. What the headline? Yeah. Sex box? somebody, Somebody had to write that on the Chiron. Somebody actually thought that... That would be good, but there's this part of them thinking this is totally going to grab people for all but, the wrong. But reasons. here's where it's very misleading. It says new video game shows full digital nudity and sex. That's like are, far from the truth. Yeah, like the guys, the stuff that you want to see from all mm-hmm. the fine alien honeys out there, you don't get to see it. You just get you just get the preview. But anyway, just, we'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll let we'll let Fox News do the talking. Yeah, let's Fox News talk. Yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. I was looking at it a little bit this afternoon. It's a a new role-playing video game that is leaving nothing to the imagination. Mass Effect is what it's called. Uh, It's made for Microsoft's Xbox system, and it features some in some parts of this. You'll see full uh, digital nudity. And the ability for the players to engage in graphic sex, and the the person who's playing the game gets to decide exactly what's going to happen between the two people, if you know what I mean. Now, the game is rated M for mature. However, critics say that Mass Effect is being marked. So something I have to say, something I have to say. So for, for people who've never touched Mass Effect before, you actually, you have to work to get to the romance scenes. Like it's not just something that falls mm-hmm. into your lap. Like you have, to, have to build relationship. actual relationships. Yeah. <laughs> so Derek, what you're telling me is it teaches you life lessons. Yes. Inside it does. The game. You have to, you actually have to build the relationship to get here. So that means someone at Fox News had to actually play through this game fully to get here. Well, they're not even playing it. They're just showing a trailer. Yeah, but, I mean, is this a trailer? Is this part of the trailer? Yeah, yeah it's part of, yeah. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know Liara. Well, no, they probably went on YouTube and pulled a clip. You think that's Fox probably, News probably what they play did. a game? No, they don't. <laughs> they don't know anything. Never mind. Let's keep going. And to teenagers, Microsoft responded to these claims and said that they were inaccurate. They released this statement that reads in part, we actively support and abide by all video game rating systems and provide built-in industry-leading technology such as parental controls and a family timer that empowers parents and caregivers to monitor their children's experience with video games, notably with respect to content, online interactions, and the Did amount of time spent playing. Cooper no. Lawrence is a psychology specialist, radio talk show host, and the author of the new book, The Cult of Perfection, and Jeff Keighley is a game expert with Spike TV. Welcome uh, to both of you. Uh, you know, Cooper, it sort of cracks me up whenever I hear a, a company say that, you know, there's all these controls. And- yeah, so I, I just want to say up front, they, like I, I was not going to talk about like my GameStop days, but there were enough parents that would, there were enough parents who would walk into the store and just say, I just want to get my kid this game because I just, I, I just don't want to deal with him. Uh, th- this whole thing that parents Sad. are suddenly all obsessed with the content that their kids are engaging with. They, they genuinely, I, I don't think they genuinely care. There were enough, um, there, there were enough parents who would come into the store with the sole intent of buying these video games, w- w- fully disregarding what may or may not be something, you know, 
actually appropriate for their kids. It's not until moments like this come up that some Karen gets mad because someone caught some side boob and then they make a whole ordeal about it. And I, I'm re- I mean, really, this game is not meant for like eight year olds and 10 year olds. But if you're a teenager, how is this any different than watching Game of Thrones with your family? Like, I'm sorry. I like Game of Thrones, but what is Game of Thrones? Game of Thrones is softcore porn. And I know enough, you know, right-wing Christian conservative families that watch that. But this game's not even anywhere near that level. Nowhere near that. Like, there's one scene in the whole game that, like, uh, depending on your choices, that you get. And it's optional. (laughs) Like, Like, it's not required that you do it. But, I mean, most people will. But you don't have to. Even then, it's like the content itself. That this this Fox bit is so misleading because it's like any minute now you're gonna see like you know Commander Shepard's schlong hanging out or something. Yeah. it's In not. This interview, when when like, did this come out? Oh, oh, seven. Uh, oh seven. Oh seven. Have we? You know, are are we like looking at this with modern lenses? Because I even think back then, while this content was definitely kind of pushing the envelope, it's not like this was the first or even the most egregious attempt of showing well, this type the of thing. stuff. So back in the day, before Twitter, like media outlets used to do all the whining and complaining and cancel culture. Now Twitter does all the whining and complaining and cancel culture so for free. Do this <laughs> oh, RJ, I have to. I have to follow. So, following up on your GameStop days and people being like, "Oh, I just want to buy this for my kids," so they shut up. Like, did you ever have any parents walk in for the for the Japanese hentai request only games? Not for not for those. I mean, it was always like I, I, don't, I don't want to talk in stereotypes, but you can assume the type of guys that would buy those. There, there are these white guys. They all have sweatpants. They all smell that they're living in their cars. <laughs> They've got glasses that are cracked, and it sounds like they have a difficulty breathing. And they're asking for these games under their breath because they don't want anyone to actually hear that they're asking for like tickle me schoolgirls. Super Fun Time 7. I don't know that that's a game. I I just made that up using some generic terms. Somebody's probably going to actually find that having been a game. But, I mean, the the thing that would bother me the most is when... GameStop's just hiding this corner of degeneracy in the back. It's hilarious. It's like that, too, and I'm pretty sure Best Buy had the same policy, even though if GameStop... I mean, people need to remember, GameStop, the way they made their money was off of the used games. That's how they did it. And that's why they have now so, a wall of plastic shit of tea, of clothes, toys, and everything else, because they don't actually make money off of new video games or new consoles. So when they order this stuff from Japan, they mark it up extremely high. So that way, at least they know that there's an audience for it. Damn. I just think that's kind of hilarious. They're just like, just all this time, there's just this corner of degeneracy at these GameStops. Have I have I ruined GameStop for you forever, or are you more impressed by them? I'm kind of slightly uh, a little both. I mean, aren't they bankrupt? Aren't they? Aren't they gone now? I mean, yeah, a bunch of them have closed down. Yeah, GameStop's kind well, of dying. Everything's, so. everything's digital now. So, how much degeneracy has been lost? Where where did it all go? Did they just did the managers take it with them? What's funny is like I I applied for GameStop after I was like, I don't know, I I left a job I really didn't like last minute and it was right before the holidays. So I only took it because they were the only people hiring and I just needed the job. But what was funny was like GameStop really has no standards for people. Um, I mean, really, 
Any, anyone can get a job there, which is funny because I, I know somebody that said that they applied for an, for another GameStop and they never got a call back. And ultimately, it's because if you can't get a job at GameStop, that means you just didn't try. GameStop will put anybody behind the cash register because ultimately it's an easy job. And if you can just be somewhat polite to people, you'll do absolutely fine. Now, going back to this video... Um, so the guy on the right is Jeff Keeley, and he used to be a presenter for Spike TV. He used to do the video game awards. Oh, he's, I remember him now. Yeah, he's a, he's an old name in the industry for he's a real game journalist, not like yeah. the Kotaku journalists nowadays. This We're talking G four. Um, and the lady on the left is Barbara Comstock, um, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. and she's oh, a psychologist, dear. and uh, she she has no idea what the game is about or any context, but she's going to tell you why the game is bad for your kids. So let's let's play this video. In there that you can monitor the time and you can you know but basically the box pandora's box is open i mean kids have access to these things and unless you're hovering over them every second they're going to find ways to see this stuff on the internet how damaging is it really well the thing is you know it's the, the whole concept of like 13 year olds have never seen playboy because they're not supposed to it's that idea that i mean let's let's talk about who the video game is for it might be for adults oh, it's real fast. statistics who is playing I'm sorry. I, I, I promise we'll get through this video. This, okay. Okay. I, I got to be honest. The only Playboys I ever saw were when I was like 15 and they were all at Sean's house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they all belong to your father. Not to be weird. We looked at it together. <laughs> Because Old that's school. what teenagers do. But like th- this whole idea of, oh, it's it's them looking at Playboy. Like in Playboy's defense – Playboy is PG compared to the stuff that people are seeing online. Yeah. It's yeah. the sliding scale of what's appropriate and what's not, what we like and what we're willing to excuse and what's not. If, if Commander Shepard said, I love America, we're going after space migrants, it, it wouldn't matter if he's banging a million hot female aliens. The, the right would love it. If Commander Shepard ate from Chick-fil-A, they would give no shit as to what else was happening in the game. <laughs> yep. oh, this is back when the, this is like like what's funny is looking at this like not not to get political but this is like when the when the right were the ones pushing cancel culture now it's like it's all liberals canceling everybody i almost missed this day and age when it was just these right-wing conservatives saying oh you can't see that in a video game now it's the left saying no one can play video games because video games appeal to the ultimate male fantasy what, unless they're with your friends unless they're uh super sjw and include incredibly unattractive characters and very bland people then they have to and men have to slightly look like women and women have to look like men for some like, reason like last of us too or like mass yep. effect andromeda we'll get to that later oh my God. <laughs> right, okay. let's, let's continue this we'll see the banter between the two <laughs> video games, but adolescent males, not their dads. So that's the first thing. The damage is this. We know that all the research shows that violence has a um, desensitizing effect. Well, sexuality does too, because this is when the developing mind is happening. This is when they're first deciding who they're going to be, who their identity is. This is when social development is happening. And here's how they're seeing women. They're seeing them as these as these objects of desire, as these, you know, hot bodies. I mean, they don't, they don't show women as being valued for anything other than their sexuality. And it's a man in this game deciding how many women he wants to be with. All right, let's get in on this. Right, that's com- Go ahead, completely Jeff. incorrect. Yeah, that's completely incorrect. First of all, you can actually play as a man or a woman in the game. Cooper, have you ever played Mass Effect? No. Oh. 
Right. Well, I think the fact is you talked about, you know, another thing that you mentioned is that how it's, you know, has full graphic nudity. That's completely incorrect. Uh, there's no full nudity in this game. There's the side of an alien boob, which can be seen. It's uh, a small sexual situation in this game, which is about two minutes out of a 30-plus hour experience. And Jeff, let me ask you something. Jeff, let me ask you a question. I, I have not played this game. I went on the website today. I clicked on a lot of different trailers. I tried to learn as much about it uh, as I right. could before we did this. You know, it's interesting. When you click on it, it asks you your age. It says you must go through a scanning process. So I thought, oh, this is going to take forever. Okay, so I, I put in my age, and then boom, you're in. No problem. So that is a pretty easy right. screen to get past. There's nothing graphic that I saw on the front, you know, the pages that I looked at on the Internet. Uh, but it does beg the question, you know, how what it does to kids in terms of how they think about violence and sexuality because they're, you know, engaged and, and blowing people away in these. Well, I think what's, what's interesting about this, we talk about, you know, sexuality in the media. One of the great things about Mass Effect, for people that have played it know this, this is a, a sort of a choose-your-own-adventure story, and it doesn't force you down in any situation. You can actually play through this game without the sexual situation ever happening Right, and the young the boys game. are going to be choosing not to have sex. That'll be what they'll choose. I mean, no, because it's not, it's not a simple <laughs> choice, but Cooper, it's not a simple choice. You don't turn the game and says, would you like to have sex or not? It's through the evolution of a relationship with characters, and the fact that this game has incredible artificial intelligence, and you can actually fall in love in this game, and it's the, it's just like modeling your life, and I think that's a much more powerful form of media. Darlin, i got to go with the research, and the research says there's a new study at the University of Maryland right now that says that boys that play video games cannot tell the difference mm -hmm. between what they're seeing in a video game in the All real right, world if they don't have a real experience. All right, I'm Jeff, sorry, it's a very fascinating game, and I'm going to say, Jeez. Wow. Yeah. They, they keep cutting him off, you know? Like, this is, I hope she, this is this is already 12 years old. I hope she lost her job. I hope she can't find work. Well, she ran for Congress, didn't she? That's not actual Barbara Comstock. No, I'm just. I'm just <laughs> she looks. Right? She looks like you know. It's like a. What if a it was Barbara? Listen, Comstock. video games aren't good. Okay, bye. Barbara. God is great. God is great. She says as at the mosque. Oh God, oh, that's no. so cringy. It's it, it's um. Uh. Anyway, but, this is the I mean, same shit they say about like Columbine, where they were saying that Doom was what, what caused Columbine. Then they say this each time uh, Grand Theft Auto comes out. I'm sorry, I've never seen a white boy in my neighborhood run out and try and find a hooker so he can stab her and then hijack a police car. But I mean, this video, I mean, this is pretty much it. They cut him off at this point and just do their own thing. Yeah, that's pretty much. Cut off. I don't even see. I don't even see him yeah, in the, they, So basically, when yeah. he invalidated their point, they just cut him off and just kicked him they're, out. They're like, well, uh, you're making sense. Bye. <laughs> I, I bash the left a lot. And I mean, the left deserves its bashing. I certainly don't deny that. And I, I, I enjoy making liberals cry. But this is just one of those examples where it's like, you know, and, and we're seeing this now in the pandemic where there's no new movies and there's no sports and all communal activities have been kind of killed. They, they go after what makes people happy. And then when you attempt to take it away from them, then they wonder why people lose their shit and they get mad. And I mean, what, what I love about Mass Effect was it was really the first game that I remember where it, it combined really the RPG element of what you would see in older games, traditionally not non-video games, where it's like you get this pick-your-own-adventure aspect. And for me, I, I liked it because I can make a character that looks like me, you know, dashing and handsome, because obviously... But it's it's one of those games that appeals to so many people because you can ultimately have the adventure you want and everything is based off your own decisions. It's a game that has been able to do that over and over again. And I mean, with the first three games, that, that couldn't have been more evident. 
Yeah. yeah very true. I think as we uh, talk about this more in depth, uh, maybe if Derek wants to pull up some gameplay in the background and we can just talk over it, you know, it gives us some topics to talk about, about, you know, the universe, the lore, the characters, what we love about it. Yeah, I, actually, Derek, how about you go ahead and do that? Get, give people that may have either been living under a rock or didn't have an awesome childhood an understanding of what, what Mass Effect was basically about. All right, yeah, so do you want Mass Effect 1 gameplay, 2 gameplay? Uh, I'd say I just say just put gameplay of 2 in the background. And we That's can the only the one story. that was like really the – I feel like Mass, the Mass Effect trilogy peaked with 2. This is the only time a sequel was really genuinely better than the first. This, this is just a 12-hour walkthrough with no commentary. Oh, well, I mean, you, you, can, you can just mute it and then just go like halfway through the video, just have some gameplay going on in the background. We, we do it live here, running. folks. We do it live. Be with us in the moment. Just live with us here. All right, yeah, so you can just have this running in the background. And then but yeah, just try, try muting it. Oh, okay. Yeah. We do right. it live, damn it. All right, so yeah, let's let's talk about Mass Effect, the universe, the trilogy, what's all about. Yeah. So so uh what the gameplay you're seeing here is from Mass Effect 2. Now, there's going to be some spoiler talk here. Are we okay with spoiler talk? If I it's mean, a 12-year-old game, it's spoiled. Actually, yeah, you're right. The whole tri- Okay, well, if we're talking Mass Effect 3, it's 7 years old, but you know, you're right. <laughs> it's their uh, fault if they get triggered by the spoilings. All right. Yeah. So you've been warned. Coming from this, are you sure it's muted? Uh, I'll mute it completely. I just yeah. like had slight noise. Sorry. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. So, so basically, you're in a galaxy where we have these Mass Effect portals, and what they are is they're basically giant rings in space that allow in- interstellar travel amongst the universe. And because we've discovered this this technology, now Earth is in this giant galactic. Uh, federation of sorts of other planets and you know humanity has allies we see this with uh, friendly aliens and mean aliens and uh, th- that's where we get introduced to commander shepherd Let- let's go ahead and start there yeah so yeah. basically mass effect one is basically about commander shepherd becoming a specter or the first team inspector. And basically what a specter is, is that in the galaxy or the Mass Effect universe, you have the council. And basically it's an alliance of alien species that come together for the benefit of the galaxy and they maintain order. So think of specters like kind of like the Navy SEALs of the council. And so basically what happens is that um, a human colony gets attacked and um, basically, a, a, a specter is there. His name's Saren, and nobody knows like why the heck he was there and what he was doing. But this colony was attacked by Geth, which is like an AI kind of race of sentient. They're they're like Cylons, but more bug looking. Yeah, basically. So Commander Shepard discovers uh, this beacon on Eden Prime. And he's like, what the heck is this? And it basically ingrains like a cipher in his mind about some vision that nobody knows anything about. Turns out that vision is about this, uh, a warning about this race of sentient machines called Reapers, which wipe out the galaxy every 30,000 years. And it's up to him to basically track down Saren and find out, you know, what he's planning. And lucky for you... It happens to be 30,000 years since the last 30,000 year purge. Yeah. So in Mass Effect 1, like there's um, one Reaper that moved in advance of everyone else. And this Reaper's name was Sovereign. He uh, basically just, so basically the Reaper's whole plan was 
they assumed control of a already different sentient race of machines called the Geth. The Geth are a race of machines that were created by a race called the Corians, who turned on their masters and dro- drove them from their home planet. So, so now, so the Geth owned the Corian homeworld, and the Reapers showed up, and they were like, "Hey, we're both sentient robots. Let's let's take over the galaxy together." As robots do, as they do. So, so the Geth are helping the Reapers, and um, they have they have a few organic allies in the form of Saren. He is a he is a Turian specter. Who are the giant grasshopper looking mofos, right? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he's a Turian specter who is helping the Reapers because he is actually indoctrinated. Now, Reaper indoctrination is a very complicated process. It's very slow. It Tell it to your- me like I'm a five year old. Basically, the Reapers take over your mind and force you to, to do their bidding. Even if you fight it, you're not really going to fight it well. Like once, you're, once it starts, it slowly takes over your mind and you do whatever the Reapers tell you to do. You basically become a human machine. And, and that's really the, the story for, for Mass Effect 1. There, it, was, it was really that direct. You're trying to basically fight this specter gone rogue who's been indoctrinated and is aiding these giant aliens who are alien robots who are going to go ahead and ultimately purge the universe of all sentient life. But yeah. along the way, you, you make friends. And this is where the whole relationship factor comes in. Uh, one of the um, original allies you have is another... Uh, space commando soldier her name is ash and ash is really just there yeah she's she's okay she's also a space racist (laughs) how so i don't remember that um she doesn't like turians very much because i think like her dad fought in like the initial contact war oh Um, so because a, a grasshopper person probably killed her dad now she hates all grasshopper people um well it didn't kill her dad but just it was just She's just not a fan of Turians in general. All grasshopper uh, people are the same. Yeah, pretty much. The grasshopper people. We'll go with that. Uh, All lives matter. And, um, I mean, there's actually a lot of space racism in Mass Effect 1 in particular because people just don't like humans because they're very new to the party and they're making leaps and bounds very quickly in terms of power. So they hate us because they ain't us. Exactly. Pretty much. So, yeah. so in this game, color skin does not matter. Human, humanity is together. Wow, but, you're telling me that the only way to end all racial strife in, in the world is to deal with alien invaders? Yes. Well, here, uh, but here's the thing. It, it creates human supremacists called uh, Cerberus, which is a which, terrorist organization. Which we'll get into in Mass we'll Effect 2. We'll get into in Mass Effect 2. Okay, so we, we've, discussed, yeah, we've discussed Ash, who's there, and then, and then we have Caden. Caden is actually Shepard's buddy and is actually useful. He's a good friend. Uh, we've got Garrus, who's a Turian, one of the grasshopper people. Oh, and he's uh, a, he, he was a police officer turned oh, uh, mercenary. And, and a fun fact about Mass Effect One: in the um, in the very first scene of Mass Effect One, they're uh, landing when they're landing on Eden Prime. Your initial two partners are Caden and um, crap. Ashley. No, no, it's not Ashley. It's oh, sorry, other... Jenkins. 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 Yeah. So why why don't I remember him? Because he dies very quickly. Oh, yeah. there you go. You know why? Because he Leroy Jenkins himself yeah, into the Le- battle. Leroy Jenkins. Now, a fun fact about that is apparently for Mass Effect 1, there was a, a big poll or something where basically people were, could vote on Caden or Jenkins as a party member. Um, and Caden won, obviously. And then they just killed Jenkins off. So basically, democracy is why people die. Yes, in this case. Okay. 
And then Ashley appears a little bit later to fill in Jenkins' spot because she's like a survivor of Eden Prime. I, I, I'm not against female characters in games, but like she, she's really just there to to serve a, a singular purpose. Yeah, I mean it's the true. thing is, Mass Effect has really strong female characters. When you talk oh, hundred percent, just not her. Just not her. Just not her. I, I respect yeah. all the female characters except her. And um, I'm, yes. So, so Shepard meets a couple other friends along the way after meeting Ashley and Caden uh, on the on the Citadel, the main galactic hub of the of of the galaxy. He meets uh, Garrus, Caden, and Tally, a a, a cricket person, a space Muslim. Space, yeah, space I guess Muslim. you could call. You it know space why? Because they go on a pilgrimage. <laughs> they and do. they wear veils. And they wear veils. Because, I think well, I know where they got that idea from. Well, the reason very the original. <laughs> well, the reason the, the reason the Koreans wear veils is because um, they have a bad since they, were, since they were driven from their home world and basically by COVID. Space, well, by the Geth, actually. Well, yeah, the, since the Geth drove them off their home world, they live in space. So, yeah. so like the, living the, in spaceships, it's so sterile and everything that their own immune systems just don't ever experience anything else. This is why I don't use hand sanitizer for exactly that reason. Well, I mean, we got plenty of microbes in the air that the Koreans actually uh, created the Geth as well. So basically, it's a story about space Muslims created the problem. Yeah, well, the thing is, they created the the, basically the AI went rogue, and it's a story about you know this is why AI is bad. Yeah, pretty much. So, so what we're basically getting to right now is the fact that this game is focused on so many actual serious, interesting subplots. It's not entirely based off banging alien women. No, no, it is not. Small part, very like a two-minute part, uh, a thirty-plus-hour adventure. (laughs) All right. So, uh, where do we? uh, Did we just talk about the characters? Um, How much more of the story did we? Well, we're well, we're missing the most important one. Uh, Liara Tassoni, the last character you get on your squad. Heart Liara. Heart Liara. The the canon love interest, in my opinion. She is, because here's the thing about Liara. She's the only character in all of Mass Effect, like who's like a playable squad mate, who has zero chance of dying throughout any three of the games. Because she's a total badass. Because because everyone else has a chance to die at some point if you're not careful or don't make the right choices. Hey, I, I gotta I gotta take a pee break, and because we do this live, I'll let you guys hang on to it for like two minutes. I'll be back. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess we'll continue with the characters, but yeah, yeah, basically Liara also she's like the only one who could actually decipher Shepard's brain in like the first game about the vision and make sense of it by mind melding. Yeah, because the Asari race, they like live for a thousand years and they basically have telepathic powers and they're masters of biotics, which is kind of like the force in Star Wars. Yes. Uh, so do we want to wait for RJ to come back for that? Or I mean, I mean, we're killing time. We might Fair as enough. well. Um, but yeah, basically, she's able to decipher the, the, the vision in uh, the Commander Shepard's brain and make sense of it. Yes, which allows them to go to various worlds. And um, Mass Effect 1 was pretty bare bones in terms of like its side quests. Like, yeah. the, um, like the side worlds were very cut and paste. They just had different textures. Because yeah. you, could, you could ride around in, um, in the... Why can't I remember the name of the car? The Mako. The Mako, thank God. Uh, you could ride around the Mako 
and just like you know shoot things with it. It was fun. It was fun to drive around. Handled didn't handle very well, but it was it was just a fun time. Um, and you would just well, go yeah, around. I mean, there'd be like little bases you could hop into and fight Geth, and yeah. like and the thing there is. There were some interesting side quests because, like, they they told a lot of the stories of those quests through the text, mm-hmm. and I think Mass Effect One is it does actually take advantage of the background option because Commander Shepard can have various backgrounds depending on what you want. Mm-hmm. He can be someone who's simply from Earth. He could be someone who lived his whole life in space, and and his, both his parents were in the military, um, or he could be just someone who lived on a colony. Yeah, and who was um, enslaved by slavers. Yes. And the only one who actually gets to keep his parents alive is the spacer because both his parents were already military and they were just, you know, badass enough to live. And Shepard joined the military because of that. When he's on Earth, he deals with gangs and other things. But this is all not part of the games, but it's just part of the story and backstory of Shepard if you so choose. Yeah, and the thing about Mass Effect 1 is you could tell it was an experimental kind of game. They didn't really know how far this thing was going to go or if it was even going to be popular. And you can tell that through the side quests because they probably were in a time crunch and they didn't have time to go back and actually develop fully fleshed out side quests. It's only, you know, it became a cult following. It was very, the first game was very RPG oriented. You could tell it played like an RPG game where two and three started to be, be more actiony with RPG elements to appeal to like a mass, massive, uh, uh, audience, you know, so and that was when EA acquired it. They they acquired uh, the, the the rights to Mass Effect, and when they made two and three. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, yeah, so Mass Effect One essentially, um, there were a handful of plants that actually were fully handcrafted and interest and unique. Um, so. Damn it, why can't I remember all the names of these plants? Well, um, I mean, there were like hundreds of them. Yeah, I know, but like there were like four main ones. There was that... Fairmire, there was Pharos, there was Novaria, there was Eden Prime. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Therum is where you found Liara. Yes. But yeah, I mean. And then you go to the Prothean homeworld um, where you find a bunch of dead stasis pods. Oh yeah, Ilos. Ilos is uh, you basically you get more. Uh, basically, Commander Shepard finds about uh, finds yeah. out about who the Reapers actually are and what their plans yeah. are. And you find out what happened to the last cycle that dealt with this, mm-hmm. and that they did not survive. Even their attempts to live in the stasis pods didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And the Protheans were actually the advanced race thirty thousand years before Mass Effect takes place, and they were basically you know. Basically, they were the people who ran the galaxy, and they were a hyper-advanced race, and they were wiped out by the, the Reapers, and they left their technology on, a, uh, on on Mars and all over the planet. And that's how humanity discovered you know, Mass Effect energy and stuff like that. Yep. But, um, hey, boys. I'm going to I'm gonna have to leave you guys because i got to do some stuff for tomorrow because i got to leave early. Okay. Right. Well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you around. Doyle. Around Doyle will be I think. A I think this early. is. I don't think you know Mass Effect as in depth as we not, do. Not as in depth. Yes. No. Just yeah. Let R, just let RJ know, and I'll I'll talk to you guys later. Okay. All right. All right. Everyone, say bye to Doyle. Oh, bye, Doyle. No, I'm oh, oh, hey, uh, Doyle's got to go. All right. Bye, Sean. Bye, Sean. Hey, boys. All yeah. right. See ya.
Right. All right. Hey, folks, we do it live, damn it. I'm getting it. We do it live. I, we do it live. I, I, had, I had Afghan for night, and I, it's, this is like my third trip. But you, no one wants to hear that. Where, where, where are we right now? So we're going to start talking about Mass Effect 2. Oh, just heavy breathing. Oh, the, the good one. Okay, so I, I just want to press that's, that's I played, now. Yeah, so I played Mass Effect 2, and then I played 3, and then I have played part of 1, but it wasn't as interesting. And I, I got to say, what makes a – a game really good is when you can start from any of the games specifically and you automatically know what happens. And this so, can't be said for everything, but with Mass Effect 2, I almost feel, especially having played the first game later, that this is probably the best entry point for the series. Yeah. So I actually have a fun story about this. It's how, it's how Zed and I initially met. And uh, Oh, did he tell you about the sex box too? Uh, he did. But that's not that's not how it initially began. So, I my original introduction to Mass Effect was actually over at my uncle's place because he had he had an Xbox and um, he had and at the time he was like had a GameFly subscription. Uh, so one of the games he had was like Mass Effect Two, and uh, and he was like, "Hey, uh, you just want to play this?" And then I was like, "Oh, okay, that sounds fun." And I start and like I played that game and I was like, "Ooh, this this." fun game so i actually went out and bought mass effect 2 uh for myself and then i met zed shortly after i did that and and uh, we talked about mass effect a little and he was like uh, and he was like oh so how do you like mass effect 1 and i was like i haven't played that and he's like what <laughs> he was like how could you play mass effect 2 without playing mass effect 1 first you know how important that is you go get mass effect 1 right now and i actually like actually went out and got mass effect 1 and realized how much stuff actually carries over from yeah. Mass Effect 1 to 2. Yeah, that's, that's the cool thing about the series is the decisions you make in the previous game carry along in the second game. I think this was the first game to actually do that. And it's not just big things either. Like, big Small things. things. Like, big things like Caden and Ashley, yes, that, that carries over. But small things like some side quests, like there are references to like, because there's like a um, detective that you meet on one of the planets and um, you help her with a case on that planet and like arrest the guy. And then two, if you played one and did that quest and you play two and carry over that stuff, she actually shows up again. Uh, and in you the second can, game. In the second game. And you can help her again. You see right there, right there is something I never knew. And, yeah. um, and there's also, because, um, okay. Zed, you're going to tell me to remember, what was the name of the creature that like took over people's minds? Like it wasn't a reaper, but it was like it was yeah, like a, like a the plant. Yeah, yeah, it was like the big plant thing. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, um, Thorian. Thorian, right? So the Thorian, like at the end of that adventure in Mass Effect One, spits out a green Asari because it was taking over Asaris and making them green and follow its commands. And like it spits one out, and like as you're killing it, she's basically free, and you have a choice to either kill her or let her go. If I totally her, killed her. If you let her go and then play Mass Effect 2, she appears again and delivers another message from the Thorian. Yeah, but Mass Effect 2 was basically when EA bought the rights to Mass Effect and they really hyped up the marketing and everything and then everyone wanted to get into the game. And so basically this is when Mass Effect went mainstream. And but, but but here's one reason why I loved this so much. And I totally appreciate this now that I'm a lot older. Both two and three had Martin Sheen in it. Oh, yeah, it did. I freaking love the elusive man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's great. 
And then uh, the pilot of the Normandy in one, two, and three is Seth Green. Yeah, robot chicken fans. There you go. You get some fan service as part of it. And he's as funny as he usually is. It, it seems like, you know, two and three, while, while one is important, two and three is really like that. that's where you see the effort put in. And it, it's why, like, this game, if they made it into a film, yeah, you're going to eliminate that aspect of it where, you know, it's not the choose your own adventure that makes this so much fun, but they put so much finer detail into the story itself that very few games are ever able to actually manage to succeed at. Mm -hmm. So mass effect two, it basically starts off with Shepard dying. So his ship gets attacked by this mysterious uh, race of aliens called the collectors and the ship is destroyed and he gets sucked down to the vacuum of space, but he gets saved by this human organization called Cerberus who basically bring them back to life uh, through like cybernetics and stuff like that. That's the future and shit. Yeah. Uh, And Cerberus is basically a human supremacist organization. Um, So basically everything they do is to forward humanity's progress. It's like if Lex Luthor was in charge of the world. Yeah. And RJ, I want to be clear, like Shepard died. Like, I don't mean he was just shot and like left for dead. I mean, his like his ship was shot at like was on dead, fire dead. like he and like, he fell out the airlock and like his and his and his suit like lost pressure the air was coming out of his neck and like he was basically choking while he fell down to a planet yeah they described his body as meat and tubes when they found him so basically they cloned him and put his brain into another body yeah, his body's gone. Like, 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 here's a here's like a metaphysical thing. If somebody kills you and then puts your brain in another body, are you still alive? And is that still you? And that's the question a lot that's of characters ask through two and three. You know, there's some characters who hint. You know, it's like, are you actually the real shepherd? Like when you. Uh, meet up with your old crew members from the first game. There's like, we thought you were dead. How do we know you're the real shepherd? Oh, so they do and, reference that. Oh, and actually, this this scene right here, where you're seeing Tally um, beat with Shepherd again, this actually plays out a little differently. Um, in Mass Effect One, you can go on little side quests for your um, for for your crewmates. Like, it's like small things like gathering data or finding Rex's armor, like family armor. Um, if you do these things, and especially for Tally right here, you can actually reference that event. Like, remember the data I got for you on the Geth? And, like, she'll believe you right away. So it actually makes this cutscene go a little faster because she'll believe you. Less convincing you, you have her. to do. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. But basically, you get revived by Cerberus, and they're like, all right, we brought you back to life, so you got to do something for us. And which is basically gather data on the collectors, this mysterious race of aliens that basically is kidnapping humans uh, in these small settlements like human colonies. And basically nobody knows where they're taking them. So it's up to you to find out where the collectors are taking these people and basically, you know, stop them. I, I do want to point out too, that like one thing I really like about this game is that the actual, like the, the worlds and the species that you interact, they're genuinely original and that's really hard to do. Because everything is like six degrees of Star Wars or six degrees of Star Trek. When you look at like um, Tally and and her people, like I, I can't name another series where it looks like that. And yeah, I mean, I think the Geth are kind of gimmicky. 
I think the 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 Reapers are kind of gimmicky. It gives off kind of like a Doom vibe to a degree. But everyone else in this game, it, it's so rich with things, and that's what it, it bothers me when critics of this game really distilled it down to like a two minute cutscene. They ignore everything that's really good about it. Because yeah. I could put this game on right now, and just graphics wise, story wise, art wise, it is still better than things that have been made ten years later. Yeah, yeah two I- is a beautiful masterpiece in my opinion well uh, the writer for mass effect uh you know he wrote a bunch of novels his name is drew carpetian and the mass effect novels he wrote are really really good like they're so good you don't want to stop reading them uh towards mass effect 3 i think that's when he left the studio and you can tell a big difference in the lack of storytelling but one and two for, for what storytelling was there yeah i mean and the thing is Drew Carpetian, when he wrote and created this universe, he made the lore so rich that if you actually go into the main menu of one and two, there's actually a codex with narrated paragraphs about each race. So it's like, these are the Asari. This is where they come from. This is their government structure. And, you know, these these are some cool facts about them. So you get a gist of each and everything. Like, okay, the humanity uses... Uh, this type of technology for their weapons and this is how the weapon works like down to the smallest detail there there was so much love put into this and i and i agree with derek i mean number two is probably the the best of the series at least in my opinion from start to finish this game was incredible because it it was the one that the stakes were probably the least in this game if i if i had to say so because it's more about shepherd and his crew than it is about the whole galaxy. Which I think makes it, and I see this as, as myself as a writer. Like the one thing I've learned is that if this, if your story is not character driven, nothing else matters because if the characters don't feel like they're organic and they're pushing the story, it it doesn't really matter how interesting everything else might be. That's what people want to connect with. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that the main, the main goal of this game is to go to the Reaper homeworld or not the Reaper homeworld, the Collector homeworld, which is through this Omega 4 relay, which is like a mass relay, which is kind of like... It's red. It's red. It's like nobody <laughs> knows. Yeah, it's like it's an evil-looking mass relay. It's not like blue like all the other ones. Like, this relay has got issues, because any ship that went through this relay never came back. And people are like, oh, there's probably a black hole on the other side. And so, basically, the people think, okay, the Collectors are going through this relay. Maybe their home world is on the other side. So basically, you got to get your crew ready for the suicide mission, and you got to gain your crew's loyalty through Skycrests in order for them to raise their um, chances of surviving this mission. So it gives you, you know, uh, an incentive to actually learn more about the characters and invest time into into the game. Now, I, will I, provide... just, I, I just want to cut ahead real fast. I did not really understand that my first play through the game. So when I got to the Reaper homeworld, most of my people died before they could get there. And that's when I said, you know, maybe I should restart from scratch well, and actually go on some of these side quests. Well, well, one thing you also have to consider is that there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors in the suicide mission. Like, it's not just the loyalty that matters. It's also how strong your ship is. Because there's, like, research projects you can do to upgrade your ship's armor, their guns, stuff like that. And if you don't do it, someone on your crew is probably going to die just from an engine malfunction or just being hit too hard or mm-hmm. something occurring there. Like, I, like I'm not exaggerating. Most of my people died b- 
before we, I even got to the actual mission. So in the montage, as you're going through the Omega-4 relay, like all my people are dead and I'm only stuck with like two. And by the end of the game, like everyone is dead. And I yeah, realized Shepard, that number Shepard three- can die. Yeah, like I, I realized that number three was coming and I wanted everything I did to carry over. So after going it through it, like, you know, Leroy Jenkins style, let's just YOLO our way out of it. I just ended the game after I got through the Omega Relay and I started over and I actually tried to take it more seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, so there is actually, there's actually an ending where like literally everyone in your crew dies and then Shepard's the only one that made it, but like he runs back to the ship and Joker can't pull him up and also provide cover at the same time. So Shepard falls and like Joker is just giving his report to the elusive man that everyone's dead because <laughs> he still flies out of there. Like Joker's the sole survivor of that mission if you fuck up terribly. Also, um, it's also who you actually select for certain roles within that mission. Yes. Like if you need to select, if you need to break up your, your, you know, your crew into two groups, you got to figure out, okay, who's going to be leader of the second group. So depending on what crew member you choose to lead, the second group can determine which crew members live and die. So you got to choose okay. a crew member, which is a good leader. Okay. Based okay. off, you're I, actually I, getting I, to know them. Like this isn't, this is like really a judgment call. Yeah. Yes. And, and also I, I, I need to say this right now. I hate Miranda for like, that, like near the end game because the thing is she's always like chiming like chiming in like when you're about to select somebody she's like oh i could i'll lead the squad or i'll be the biotic that protects you because i can and and like at the first my first run of the suicide mission ever i you know like i gave in on the biotic pick because i was like okay well she's strong enough right and and she just keeps asking to do something so i was like okay i'll give her i'll give her this one even though Jack and Samara stood right there. Uh, um, and, and like, I let her do it and I lost Garrus because of it. Garrus is the person that when I, whenever I played through one of the games and he died, I always felt worse. That's I why lost I Garrus to a collector swarm and I was so sad. And oh, I, was- I, I, I tried to keep him through the third game, which at the end of the third game, spoiler alert, no matter who you choose for the very last mission of the third one, they, they die. But well, um, um, have you played the extended cut? There was an extended cut. There yeah, is because people got so pissed at the ending of three. I mean, we can get into three if you want. We're we're, we're gonna we're, we're we're gonna hold off in the extended cut. We're about to get into three. But the one thing I really want to emphasize before we go on to that, let, let, let's talk about the side characters because this is when a game is done right with side characters. And the first ones that you meet off, I, I gotta give it the actress they chose to base and voice uh, Miranda off of. Holy shit! Yeah, Yvonne Strahovski from Chuck. Oh yeah, God, your boss God bless is her. Fantastic. God uh, bless her. She looks even better in real life. I know. When the game doesn't do her justice, there's an absolutely big yeah. problem. And, if they left you know, Arnie as a blonde, I would have been okay with that. Yeah, I wish she was actually a blonde in this game. But the, like in Chuck, because she's naturally blonde. But the thing is, like in Chuck, she has an American accent. So you, you think, oh, she's an American actress. Turns out she's Australian. So Miranda has an Australian accent. So that's how she really sounds like, too. Yeah, so, so give us a rundown real quick. Who Who is Miranda, and why should people care? So Miranda... Uh, Miranda is, is a Cerberus cheerleader, according to Jack. Basically. <laughs> uh, so Miranda that's the best is, way to do it. So Miranda is a Cerberus operative. So she's basically the right... She's the right arm of the Elusive Man. Um, and she's basically kind of like your handler and your advisor. 
she gives you basically advice on what to do. And if you play it right, she's your bang buddy. Oh yeah, you can have romance with her. She's a romanceable character. Um, and then we have, you know, um, what's his name? It was a black guy, Jacob. Jacob. J- Jacob is cool. Jacob yeah. is like I. I think if I always thought that if they made like a spinoff game, he would be a cool character. Yeah, oh, he was. He was. Back. He had a cool backstory. He was yeah. actually a uh, alliance uh, corsair. Uh, I'm guessing it's like a, a part of like the Alliance Navy, uh, like a special branch. But he was part of the Alliance military, and then he just defected and joined Cerberus because he's like, you know, Cerberus looks out for humanity, and the Alliance isn't doing enough for humanity. So that's you know, why he chose to be a Cerberus agent. You know, um, one one valid criticism I will give this game, I feel, is that it, the game really forced you, like from the start to finish to either be completely Paragon or completely Renegade. Because if you don't do that, there are some moments in the game that you can't take advantage of the Paragon or Renegade options because you don't have enough of the Paragon Renegade points mm-hmm. in yes. order to make those choices. Like, one of the worst was... Because once you do um, Miranda and and um, Jack's loyalty missions, like, once you do both of those, a cutscene will trigger where Miranda and Jack argue and then you either have to pick a side or pick one of the Paragon Renegade options that allows you to keep both their loyalties. And I didn't have either the first time I played, and I had to basically give up one and end up giving up, like, Jack's loyalty. And, and like all women, it always goes badly when you have to pick a side. Yeah, no, yeah. it was, ter- it was uh, terrible. If you, if you chose Paragon or Renegade, you, cho- you, you take neither side and you win. But, like, the thing is, if we want to talk about Paragon and Renegade, it's how the dialogue system in the game works. So Ooh, Let me Paragon, pull up some good interrupts, because I know they're good interrupts. Yeah, so Paragon is, like, a um, the good guy. You know, like, the, 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 the good actions your character can take here um let me play some clips here because renegade is like the evil actions so right now we're watching the asshole options yeah yes the asshole options oh and this one has shepherd when you could choose to be a woman yes this is female shepherd for those wondering and this is what her voice is like oh that's our default appearance but yeah real real fast before we start i don't think i've ever actually met another human being that played as a woman i've only seen people play her on youtube so i know that they exist okay okay actually before we move on i just want to say this one thing like female shepherd players i feel very sorry for you i mean you get garris which is a plus but like any other romance option screws you over and what do i mean by this like Caden and Garrus are your only two real options because they live and they stand by you. Thane will die. Like, um, who else? Uh, oh, Thane's the super assassin guy. Can't romance yeah, he's Morden. the John Wick. He's John Wick. You know? yeah, he's literally yeah. John Wick. Yeah, okay, okay. But li- listen. So Jacob will betray you in three. Even if you romance him, he will he will leave you and and be with somebody else. I mean, do we want to give this many spoilers to people who actually have interest in the game? Oh shit! Do you want right. them to find out for themselves? Okay, just just hey, it's just, a choose your own adventure. It's been seven like a years. decade, and I don't know that there was an extension cut for the third. So let's uh, see how it, what evil okay. female shepherd has to say. Karen. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, pick Garrus or Caden. They'll save you a lot of trouble. <laughs> Great. We come all this way, and our only witness is a babbling idiot. Swarm's coming. 
Storm coming. Storm of swarms. Oh, she just shot the computer screen. Not a word to your people. Let it go. She just threatened to kill somebody. Yeah, Shepard's badass. Ah, fuck it. Patrol, this is outpost. Wrong move. Outpost. Post four. Goddamn crooked. You should show more gratitude. Refusing an ally can bite you in the ass. <laughs> if I can brush an ally aside, what use are they? You're only worthy of dying first. I'm stronger in every way. The tank showed many imprints of human weakness. Where to break your spine? The shortest path to hold. You will stand down. Oh, he's bleeding. One hand, but arm the other. And don't hesitate. Maybe you are worthy. Sources claim you were at the heart of the Pearl City during the Battle of the City. Oh, oh, pause it. Okay, pause it. Course of the okay. Well, two, two, two things. One's an observation. One is one of my favorite m- 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 uh, moments. One, I, I need to give female Shepherd some credit. When she goes crazy, that is hot. Secondly, yes. this part with the reporter, who's just a massive dick to Shepherd the entire game, I always went out of my way to do what we're about to see. Oh, because- and also, and also for this reporter, whenever I hear her name, I always hear. Police have been seen in Algelani, Westerlin News. Like, does her anyone name, else hear that? She, like, she's, she's basically space CNN. So, of course, her name is stupid. Yeah. And I was always like, where's Algelani? What is Algelani? Why have police been seen there? I don't know why you're telling me this. <laughs> Just, okay. Okay. So, she, so female Shepherd is being basically harassed by space CNN. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. And go. Imagine Donald Trump did this. If true, you told Admiral Hackett to abandon the Destiny Ascension. I've had enough of your disingenuous assertions. (laughs) Yeah! Yeah! Let's go. Pause. Imagine Donald Trump was like, I had enough of your disingenuous assertions. (laughs) (laughs) So this reporter shows up in all three games, just so you know. And in the third one, if you punch her the first two times, she's actually prepared in the third game and ducks the first punch. And then you have to run and get interrupted again to punch her. <laughs> you but, think I you'd mean, stop interviewing the person that's hitting you. But, I mean, you get the idea of Paragon and Renegade actions. I went, I went out of my way. This was the only time I genuinely wanted to be Renegade because it's like I've had enough of your bullshit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. You want to go back to... Uh, Oh, but wait, wait, wait. We need to see the best one. And let me fast forward to it. Uh, Okay, I think it's this one up. I I have totally judged female Shepard for all the wrong reasons. Oh, yeah, this one. This one. All right, get ready, guys. Show me yours, tough guy. I bet mine's bigger. Archangel's got quite a surprise waiting for him. But that means no more waiting for me. Got to get her back to 100% before Terra decides he needs her again. You're working too hard. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's why I love this game doesn't have to have those moments. But when you can fry one of your own allies because you just don't want to deal with his shit, that, oh, that was beautiful. Well, that guy was kind of an ally and kind of not. Um, it was a it was a fluid relationship. Yeah, because you were trying to um, actually rescue Archangel, but you were like posing as someone who wanted to kill him. Yeah, to, to save him. So okay, re- real fast. Now now we see. Okay, this is the ones we've got a ton of side characters in this one. This is the only other one really worth mentioning. Jack. Ja- okay, this is the one part in the game where even teenage me is like, okay, maybe this is a bit too far. Jack doesn't have a shirt. Jack yeah. just wears straps over her nipples. Yeah, beyond, it, like Mortal Kombat is like Puritan compared to this. Very true. Well, she's like a Cerberus experiment gone wrong. So yeah, she did time in prison. Yeah, they fucked up uh, that her mind. too. She's basically a skinhead. She's yeah, like she, she's like a Sith Lord because like she the has biotics. like the the most powerful biotic abilities in the Mass Effect universe. Apparently, yeah, she is very even powerful. more than Samara. Yes. Yeah, like the Cerberus genetically engineered her to be the most pi- powerful biotic in existence. Like period. And, and I do want to genuinely say this. Samara's probably one of my favorite people. She's from the same alien race as Liara and it bugged me that you were na- never able to get into a romantic relationship with her. Well, I, th- I think you could, yeah. but it would kill you, right? No. No, wait. no, that's that's more than you're thinking of. Well, if you get with the daughter yeah, oh, she's yeah, a whole other soap dead. opera type stuff. I'm gonna hand myself. Go ahead and play. Uh, 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 yeah, All right, let's go. Turn around very slowly. Damn it! <laughs> Have you seen the assassin? Why are you looking for him? You're not one of the saddest mercs. Who are you? Tell me where the assassin is. I've got nothing more to say to you. If you shoot me... How about goodbye? <laughs> you guys all right in here? She just Get pushed back. him out Get a back. window. I'll shoot. Be at peace. But, no, uh, yeah, I think you got the idea of the, the paragon. Hurt. hurt me? I hardly felt a thing. Look... I can't answer questions. Yeah, Renegade Shepard's just the best. Wow, yeah. I have I mean, judged it, Renegade female Shepard all these years, and all I have to say is she's a badass. Yeah, Renegade's fun to play. <gasps> oh, wait, wait, no. I One more. One more, I swear. You need this. Oh, uh, this me. is when you can take advantage of special needs people. Yes. <laughs> just trust the playing it right now. Like... Wasaya will tear you apart. Take a nap. You'll feel better. Are you mad? I'm unstoppable. Feasting on her biotic rich blood will be the last. No, wait. Why'd you paragon that? I thought that was a brand new compilation. No. But Great Wind. Biotic God. I'm. I. What I think I we saying? can leave that to people who want to play the game to find out. Yeah, uh, that's that's a good uh, good incentive uh, to play this game. Find uh, out what happens it. when you give this guy the renegade option. Find out about the biotic <laughs> god. But uh, yeah, do you want to move into three now? Yeah. yeah. So if you yeah. if you want to put up the gameplay again, Derek, uh, I'll put up three gameplay instead. Okay. Yeah. So Ma- Mass Effect Three has more of a direct 
continuity with two, though, as as we all suggest, it's so much better when you can play one, two, and three in consecutive order. But three, uh, my, my problem is there's all these different storylines and all these great things that you've accomplished in two that by the time you get to three, a lot of it does carry over. But I feel like a lot of the heart that was put into two is sacrificed for really the main story narrative in three. I just feel like a lot of that heart that you had with the, with the, with the second game, a lot of it was lacking in this one. Now, I have to say, three had some of the highest highs in the series for me. I generally think so. Like but it had some amazing. I, 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 I totally, I totally agree with you on that. But the only problem is that because it has such great moments, sadly, it had a lot of shitty moments that kind of balance each other out. That that kind of ruin it for me. Like uh, which ones? Primarily the ending. The ending. Oh, okay, the ending. We'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the ending. I think it's universally agreed upon. But uh, basically, Mass Effect Three is. All right, you defeated the collectors. Now the Reaper invasion's here. It's happening, and the galaxy is somewhat prepared. But you got to get all the species of the galaxy together. That's actually, by the way. Yeah, so, by the way, you know, like the graphics get better game to game. But Ashley's the only character get, that gets hotter throughout the game, and yeah, that's the only got... positive thing that happens for her. She doesn't actually like yeah. you know progress as a person or provide any valuable you know assets to the team. Oh, fuck this kid! By the way. Oh, yeah, that, that kid is basically the devil. Like, um, you feel bad for him the first time around, but I'm not going to spoil that. <laughs> yeah, so so Ashley's looking fine, but she, she by by now, if you've really gotten into it, you're like, oh, why why do I have to deal with her? But Give yeah. me somebody I like. But basically, the Reapers are attacking, and you got to get the entire uh, galaxy together, all the races of the galaxy to f- come together as one and fight this, basically, threat of extinction and fight the reapers and basically the, the whole game is basically doing these mission story arcs which will basically it's basically diplomacy it's like one race wants one thing and another race wants another thing and maybe two races don't like each other so you gotta be like the the, the middleman and work out a settlement so they can come together and fight for you Oh yeah. Okay. Here, here's, here's one specific situation. I'm, I'm glad you brought this up in Mass Effect 2. One of, I think one of the most underrated characters is a Geth named Legion and Legion is a Geth that actually joins your side and is actually a pretty badass. And in the game, because you're dealing with all these different political issues, you encounter one really head on. Basically, you get to a point where the Geth and what, what, what's Tally's, Tally's species? Corians. Corians. You get to this point where you have to ultimately decide who's going to live and who are you going to take to go fight the Reapers head on. You have to choose between the Corians and the Geth. And maybe it's just me. But even though in most cases I chose the the Koreans, I I almost feel like I, I hate it because I basically choose them over the one Geth character I feel is better than all of them. So, so it's one of those moments where you really because you you become so attached to these people. I think it's almost like uh, it, one. It's a good sign of a game that makes you feel that. What if I made a bad decision? Secondly, mm-hmm. it, it puts you in that decision. I didn't feel like that was a necessary thing, but you know, it, it's one of those moments that we're still talking about in, in terms of the story years later. Yeah, and the thing is, the Geth may have been a better powerful force to go up against the reapers because of their resources 
than the Quarians. But the thing you had with the Quarians is your friend Tally, who's been with you since the first game and all the things you did for her people. So are you really going to sacrifice an entire race or an entire species of people just to have a slightly better chance of survival in a battle? Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I will say about the um, the whole Geth Quarian struggle is that Legion really shines in three, and just the whole Geth Quarian like part of the game is one of the best parts of the game because Quarians are kind of assholes. They're the, mega assholes, and and the Geth really are just very sympathetic. Like they're like for a race of killer robots that you have actively fought throughout all three games, like they actually make you. Love the Geth way more than the Quarians. The the Geth, you, you always knew what you were getting out of them. And ultimately what you learn through Mass Effect 2 and 3 is that the Geth have ultimately done this because the Reapers were the ones plugging away at them because they never had free will. And you really see this through Legion's narrative. It's that if you let the Geth actually have free will, they're they're not they're not these bloodthirsty, you know, terminators that they've been made out to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the Corians, they screw you over all the time. And, yeah. And, you know, and the, the Legion says the reason why the Geth rebelled against the Corians was because the Corians treated them like shit. Yeah. Cause and, like they, and, they tried to gain sentience and, they, and the Corians got scared and yeah, just started like, shooting. The, the moment the Geth, uh, the Corians figured out that the Geth AI had become self-aware, they got spooked and started killing them off. And that's how this big war started. And some of the Quarians actually tried to defend them, but they were killed by other Quarians in doing so. Like, but the Geth always remember that. Yeah. Which is but the thing is, this is how deep the lore goes. And if you actually play through this entire experience, it is like it's better than any movie or any you know book series. It gives you like you know, there's just so much lore. So this, much lore in this you know hands-on experience. Oh, here, here's the only Latino in space. Oh, yes. yeah. J- no, you know, he's not. He, well, they, they, uh, we have him and, and our shuttle pilot. Are uh, you telling Port- me he's Portez. not Puerto Rican? No, no. The, he, he plays a Puerto Rican, but I think they got one of the people from Jersey Shore to play this guy. They did, didn't they? Uh, uh, hold on. Uh, I'll, I'll pull it up. You're telling me the only Latino dude is played by a Guido? Freddie I feel Prince, robbed. Freddie Prince Jr.? Freddie Prince Jr. is an actor. Oh, is he? Yeah, now I'm really kind of paranoid because now it's just some guy from New Jersey. Uh, it doesn't bother me that much. He he's, a, he's an example of a character that I feel if you gave him more time to evolve, you would like him more. I feel like, you know, even though when they try and flesh him out in this game, it's done in a way that just feels rushed and not well done because I mean, he tells a decent story. He has like, he talks about his sister, I believe it's it's nowhere close to anything from mass effect two though. And that's, that's my problem. I feel like it was shorted. I think some characters in mass effect three were put in there just as favors, like Freddie Prince jr's character. He probably had ties within EA or someone high up to put totally a political move. Um, Jessica Chobot, the, the reporter, from X Play, the G4 TV. What? Yeah, she was the reporter. The one that you punch or the one that you could sleep with? The one, no, yeah, the one you could sleep with, the one you could call on your ship in three. Oh, that, that was fun. Yeah. She's cool. So that was like the whole during the Gamergate controversy. Have you heard of Gamergate? 
Uh, go ahead and explain it because so, we, we're going to have to talk about it. Okay, we, can't, so we can't hide it because this is I've, one of the games that pushed it. So what I understand is that Gamergate was basically developers asking jer- game journalists who were female for sexual favors in return for like getting a good review or something like that. And, or you know to be put in the game so i mean i could be wrong but some I, people I say it, that's why Je- jessica chobot was in mass effect 3 was because she knew someone who put her in the game and you could also one night stand with her a shepherd yeah essentially and it does not affect any of your other relationships it okay. doesn't that's kind it of amazing. doesn't yeah it's the ultimate trump card huh see what i did there uh, uh, I, I always thought of gamergate it also had to do with like certain characters purposely being watered down because they they were seen as being like anti-woman or anti-diversity in some sense okay so because, i got right here if you want me to read yeah what yeah I mean. go ahead let's see right. what the actual thing was because i so, learned about this years later and i i was never much of a gamer and by the time i learned about this i hadn't played a video game since i left college all right, so the Gamergate controversy stemmed for a harassment campaign conducted primarily through the hashtag Gamergate. The controversy centered on issues of sexism and progressivism in video game culture. Gamergate is a blanket term used uh, as well as a harassment campaign and actions for those participating in it. A harassment campaign targeted several women in the video game industry, notably developers Zoe Quinn and Brianna Wu, as, fe- as well as feminist media critic Anna Sarkeesian. Uh, after Iran Gioni's Quinn former boyfriend wrote a disparaging blog post about Quinn, falsely accused Quinn of unethical relationship with journalist Nathan Grayson, harassment campaigns against Quinn and others, including doxing threats of rape and death threats. So it was, it was a big mess. And this game was sadly kind of caught in it. Despite the fact that, I mean, if anyone that plays the game knows that almost all these characters, except Ash, are really strong women. Yes. Yeah, this is a game well, where most of the time when you're going to pick who do you want to go into battle with, you're choosing female characters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I think the people, the reason why they tie Gamergate with this game was even though it came out in 2012 and Gamergate happened in 2014, was because it's like, why the heck is Jessica Chobot, of all people, in this game? You know, what is her purpose? Because there is, you know, you know what I mean? Well, it's almost like a double-edged sword. It's like, yeah, she got in the game, but what is her purpose? Her purpose is a one-night stand with male Shepard. Yep. Yeah. If you're playing female Shepard, she doesn't matter at all. So it's almost like, yeah, you got what you wanted, but what are you remembered as? You're the hot reporter who has a one-night fling with Commander Shepard. You're not like, and I got to give it to her. I mean, let's talk about a real character who in this game really takes, I mean, really the lead role right next to Shepard, Liara. Whether she's a love interest or not, and I believe she's the canon love interest for Shepard. Oh, she's on she screen is, right now. Yeah, like she is like bad ass. Badass. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, Liara... She's my one of my favorite characters in the Mass Effect universe. Like her, her, per, like you know, you get to you really know the character, her, her story, her backstory, and everything's just so interesting. Yeah, and, and in number two, you get the expansion where uh, what is it the the Shadow Collection, the, sh- the Shadow, Shadow Broker. Broker. 
the yeah. shadow broker. Yeah, let, let's talk about that real fast. That like the what I love about this game is that even after it came out, they kept coming out with these expansion packs, and one of them is where you basically get to fight the the kingpin of the criminal underworld, who's this guy named the shadow broker. And essentially, Liara, in her own mission, is trying to basically figure out who this guy is because he's, do- he's causing a lot of freaking problems in the universe. So long story short, you eventually go through this long process and you have no clue where the story is really going. It starts in the city and it takes you to the spaceship at the edge of the galaxy. And it's this awesome, awesome story. Really, what, what I think I, I, it should be part of every player's campaign everyone needs to have the shadow broker add-on oh, uh, at, at the end of it uh, when you eventually find out who the shadow broker is and you kill him she has to decide whether or not she's gonna go ahead and destroy this massive intergalactic intelligence crime network or if she's going to assume the role of it and try and use it for good and i'm pretty sure the only option is she she ends up using it for good and it is it, it's just one of those moments where it's like the, the story itself it, it plays out naturally, regardless as to how you're going to choose certain things. Yeah, and it is. It, it, it's gameplay storytelling at its finest. Yeah, and it has a nice treat in there for those who romance Liara. Um, so uh, there is actually one thing I do want to talk about, and it's DLC for the Mass Effect games. Now, all three games did have DLC, all of them. Uh, even one did one very insignificant DLC. I think. I don't think like, I played any of those for one. Yeah, one has like two DLCs. Pinnacle Station, which is the combat simulator, so you can just fight waves of enemies if you want. Um, and then I think there was like a, it was like called Crack the Sky. I think Bring Down the Sky. Bring Down the Sky, and it was basically Shepard like flying to a meteor that's going to crash into a planet that that it was a mining asteroid, so it was like a facility on there, and like terrorists hijacked it to uh, basically crash into a planet, and like you basically have to stop it. And I think like the choice there is either capture the terrorist or save the people. Um, then you get to pick either one. I don't think there's a way you can do both. I don't yeah. remember that DLC I very mean, much. The DLCs for one were very irrelevant. You could but, skip them. You, but, you're not missing much. But, 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 but like, didn't actually, did, did they actually have any impact on the story? Not really. Not so, really. so basically what I really want to talk about with DLC is that if you tried to buy Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 today, there is no definitive collection. Like, there's no, like, like you can't just buy, like, oh, Mass Effect 1, 2, 3 Definitive Edition and get all the DLC. Like, you like, still have to buy them separately? I'm like yeah. 99% sure there is no version because of the trilogy where if you, you if get you, everything. If you want to, I'm guessing they have it on the Windows Store or like Xbox Live or PSN. Or whoever, yeah. Steam. Or Origin. Or Origin and uh, PC's case. If you want to play it now, if you want a digital copy, you get it from PSN, Xbox Live, or Steam, right? But because EA owns the rights to this game, they're going to milk it as much as they can. So yeah. you're going to have to, you're going to buy the game and then you're going to have to buy all the DLC separately. Yeah. It's so, digital. It's, so the best thing to do, what I, if you have like an old Xbox or PS3 laying around, they have Mass Effect 2, uh, I think uh, the, the Game of the Year edition, and Mass Effect 3 Game of the Year edition, where all the DLCs are included. Oh, I didn't actually know that. Yeah. That's good to know. I, yeah, so I guess for PC players, you're just kind of screwed, unfortunately. You have to buy everything separate, which is annoying. And, and, I mean, that's the players, crazy... Yeah, what, what were you going to say, Zed? Well, PC players or PS4 and 
Xbox players. If you're buying it digitally, you're kind of screwed on that department for DLC. And that's what's crazy about this game, because one, it's like, I think each game itself had longer and longer gameplay. So like the first one was like 30 hours. The next one was like 50 hours. And then there's like 60 hours for three. Or that was one of the first games where I had to put in one disc just to download it in my Xbox. And then the other one was to just play the freaking game. Now it's like, that's everything that comes out. But you know, it's both the good and the bad of it. The reason why people are still playing this specific trilogy is because you can play it a million times and you're constantly going to get different adventures. You're going to get different levels. You're going to have different opportunities, whether they're big or small. So I feel like even though I've probably played two and three, uh, you know, more than a dozen times each and and definitely number two more than number three, I just found number number two way more enjoyable. I, I can't even say that I've definitively ever done everything in in mass effect and the fact that you brought up some of those DLCs from number one, I never knew about. It's like, damn, now I almost feel like I have to go back and do that because what what am I missing? Here's the thing. The DLCs are so good. They actually, they play a role in the story. So like if you do stuff in the DLC in two, those actions will carry over to three as well, even though, you know, it's a DLC. And the thing is they made this universe so filled with lore and so interesting that EA knows people will buy the DLC again. Yeah. And, and in two, like you get access to, extra characters from the dlc like extra crewmates two of them um uh was it uh, i know kasumi and and, and, uh the protean not not the protean not two Um, oh kasumi is the spy who can like walk through stuff right yeah and uh yeah that that australian guy the Australian mercenary. Wasn't it? Uh, was his name uh, Zed? No, no. Zaid. 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 Yeah, and that's another thing. Like, I think my brother Ryan must have bought it, and I played it not knowing those were DLCs. But here's another thing I would love about Mass Effect. While it is definitely a space odyssey, space opera type game, it is like you've got parts, and it was only really seen in Mass Effect 2. It will change genres on the fly. Some are like detective stories. And then you have the one where you're with Kasumi, where it's basically like a James Bond themed mission. So much fun. And this game has so many different facets to it where it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a space game, but because it has such rich characters and gameplay and everything else, it, it it is, it is a game with a thousand lives. The Citadel DLC was basically a nineties action comedy. It was. <laughs> it was a lot like Total Recall. Yeah. Like they did they, not take themselves seriously. It was just a break from like the, the, the Citadel DLC was in Mass Effect 3 and it was fan service. It's like, okay, before the, the, the last mission, you don't know what's going to happen with all your crewmates and all the people you built relationships over the three games. Just have a party. And, and the entire DLC is just a big party with all your friends. Nothing serious. Yeah, it's like then, what happens, like Shepard clone. Like, and then and, something happens, and you got to like deal with it, and it's very entertaining. Very fun. So, <laughs> like, some some people made happy ending mods where just the game ends at the Citadel DLC. Mm-hmm. Like, so you, I, I almost feel like that would be. Oh God, I, I almost feel like I. I wish it had ended there. <laughs> so DLC you, is the ending. It's beautiful. Yeah. So do you want to wrap up with uh, talking about the abomination known as Andromeda? 100%. Oh, my gosh. 100%. Yeah. I Okay. I got through half of Andromeda, and as much as I love the series, I stopped playing it at the halfway point. It was just everything 
you loved about the series had been forgotten entirely? Uh, I think it's the second tab. It's the five years. Oh, yeah, we'll go with this. We'll go with this one. Okay, so this game was in development for five years, and this is supposed to be the game after Mass Effect 3. It's supposed to be the continuation of the Mass Effect universe. And the problem was all the original people who worked on 1, 2, and 3 were totally gone. And they gave the Mass Effect game to some mobile games division of Bioware to create it. So basically, my face is tired. So people with this. no experience making games like these, they basically gave them the project. And there was a lot of like BS, like I guess like SJW stuff injected into there, and stuff didn't make sense. The game was very buggy. The story was shit. So. Uh, we'll we'll show you. I, this, I can't uh, I can't tell you one singular moment from this game that stands out to me as being positive. Never played it. Never, this game never happened. I just Ma- Mass I can't believe one, it. two, and three are the only Mass Effect games that exist. This that's it. It's this over. Never happened. So uh, Derek, if you would play the video, part of Mass Effect. Just look, look yep. how bad this is. I'm going in. Andromeda is a question. How far will we go? Not far. The Mass Effect trilogy is a huge part of our history and the lives of many of our fans. It was an amazing story, but this is a whole new adventure. Pause it. We're building on the things you love about Mass Effect. Okay, this is just an upfront lie. Because none of these people gave a shit about the last games. And they certainly didn't give a shit about the fans. No, not this. You can't just say, "Oh, it's new. It's different. We're trying to be bold." No, you were you were lazy. You didn't do your research, and there was no passion behind it. They D and D the Mass Effect universe. Yeah, the Game of Thrones. This bitch. All right, continue. Effect. Amazing stories and gameplay, and now we're letting our imaginations run wild. How far will we go? That question is also at the heart of the development of Mass Effect Andromeda. And for the first time, it's all powered by Frostbite, which means you're going to see, hear, and feel Mass Effect like never before. That's our promise to you. So the trailers looked amazing. Like, oh my god, this is going to be great. Simulating the ocean is hard. Simulating a face is harder. Super fast graphics computers, new cool software. Uh, what? Can you forward it? Uh, yeah, this uh, yeah, right there. One again, like you'll be able to experience things for the first time again. And that was our goal because we didn't want to just retread ground and, and make it feel like this was Mass Effect 4. But it was. Is she smiling? Oh my fucking god, what is wrong with your face? This is what this is next generation. This is what it looks like. Like some of the better than three. It's really going to be something, isn't it? I haven't even shown you the best part. Fuck it, don't tell her anything. Kill it. <laughs> Alright, what happened? To who? To whom? And your goddamn father. Sorry, my face is tired from dealing with everything. You can't tell. Um, you literally just can't tell. A little okay, bit uh, uh, I'll pause it right there. So uh, this woman's face right here was like 
controversy about that about the game for so long. Hold on, like th- this one right here. Like she has no expression. It's like but, they spent forty million dollars like, so on no I, expression. So I remember, like mid this game's lifespan, they actually did patch her face to make it better. Um, like this person's specific face. I don't know if they did the other faces too, but I remember that being a thing. Okay, we'll continue. Everything. Um, and they just look a little bit off. Uh, I wrote in my preview, I think they kind of look like Sims 3 era Sims. Mm. They sort of just, something about the eyes is a little bit off. Uh, the eyelashes are incredibly thick and just obviously like stuck to their face. Be aware. That's all. Don't worry. I majored in glad handing during Pathfinder training. Don't like being sat on, huh? ER is Ellen Ryder. He put her here. Scott, it's mom. I don't... How... Wow. How is this possible? I suppose you're right. Incoming call. Patching it through. Sam! Now! Simulating a face is harder. However, at some point... At some point, it gets sufficiently real, it falls off a cliff, and it gets creepy. At wait, some wait, point, wait, it gets it, creepy. They, they were equating that to, to movies and moments from like the past 10 years. I see iRobot and then the Adventures of Tintin. I'm sorry. I'd almost rather have something be cartoonishly outlandish and look good, like the Adventures of Tintin and iRobot, than this shit that they attempted to pass off as a good game. Oh. <laughs> Very true. And it if gets you, if you forward, I think they'll show the shitty buggy. At some point, like, it gets. You and what army? I don't need an army. I've got a Krogan. <laughs> she missed. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get to this part. <laughs> Focus defenses here and here. Like the cat and the closet. Okay, I'm just going to say it because it's obvious, and I don't care what backlash I get because it's the truth and it needs to be said. <laughs> this game is just nothing but women. It's very true. You're not wrong. <laughs> and they're not even like interesting women. Or attractive. <laughs> they're just bad characters. Keep going. I couldn't finish this game. I, I, don't, I don't blame you. Forward it just a bit. What's wrong pro- with her? They did promise DLC for this, actually. Is she a human? Oh, well, look at her neck first off. I just wanted you to see the neck. See? No reason we can't be civilized. What did she do? What the hell? Is that a glitch? This is the state the game was released in. This was release. This was release before they patched anything. Derek, if if you go like way further, like um, they they should show gameplay. Okay, I I know they do. Um, Hold on. Let me just. What's this? Because these are all cutscenes. I think. Okay. (sighs) 
<laughs> the T post. <laughs> okay, here we go. God. Alright, yeah, just. just. Look, at, look at the boop physics. It's amazing. <laughs> this game has no. I, I remember there was a scene. Like, whoa. Literally, one one of the um, one of the blue alien beach people, like from Samara and Liara's race, where they're just like stuck between the door the entire time. And I restarted that that episode. I'm sorry, that level from the original checkpoint, and I literally found out that everybody saw that. Everybody saw her stuck in the door forever. It was in everyone's game. Go, go forward a bit more, like uh, on the. Just let me see the previews. The, okay. Keep going. Keep, uh, going. keep going. Keep going. More, 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 more. Oh, over here. Uh, yeah, right. it's fine. Whoa! This guy fell through the floor. He's dying. Look, <laughs> look what they're doing, RJ. Look, RJ. None of what this is makes any sense. <laughs> From their gear, they were hoping to capture someone. Probably me. Sorry about that. Though if you'd broken a sweat, I'd be sorrier. You sent us the message about the Solarian Ark? Let's be frank. There are too many inconsistencies aboard our Ark. They only make sense if someone betrayed us to the Ked. We'll still have each other, but we want you. I love you, Mom. So you, I love you. So those are both the protags. You can both play as either you. the male or female rider. Live your life. Brother and sister. Do great things. I see so much potential in you. I compare facial animations from this from a game made in 2007. Yeah, really something. You're someone to me. Gay. No. I'm starting to think that kiss was more than just a distraction. Progressive, even though you could totally. One thing has been bothering me a lot. If you know, honestly, that that wouldn't bother me if that's something that you want to do in the game. (laughs) Whatever, the game is good. Like romancing must be so awkward. The romance scenes, oh, they're so weird. Ruin this. Oh yeah, and the Turians don't look good either. Because I love you too. I think I know how to make all this up to you. Please, no more food. I think you're cute and I like seeing you up here. Oh my goodness, right? Also, the accent. The accent is, I mean, it's not the only thing, but, uh, okay, I should just go over there to the piloting thing. Kill me now. This is so like it's like they put they put no effort on the dialogue at all. Okay, guys, we're, we're got pressing on time. I think we could end it here. Oh, there it goes. Um, Oh wow! This is just this is just bad. Really, really, okay. folks, you gotta go. Oh, yeah, on the, you got you gotta go on the We Are Libertarians Patreon to see this madness. But what I will say is that you know, often I've asked myself, and even 
after oh, Andromeda came let, out. Let, wait, wait. Let me just show you the end piece of this real quick. It's just oh, like God. a few minutes. Okay. Um, I think this has like a musical-esque trailer at the end. Maybe I'm foolish. Maybe I'm blind. And I can see through this. See what's behind. I can't prove it. So maybe I'm blind. No way this is home. is now and I'm doing um, another blender tutorial. This is um, how to animate in Blender. to die because anthem was shit oh my gosh well you know what though this is not this is actually you know this is probably worse i mean because the sentimentality of like like remember the what what was it the the predator game yeah but the no no no, the aliens game the space marines one yeah stop sharing now yeah but the thing is after seeing one two and three and how rich and detailed that game is and how good it looks and you see this they spent 40 million dollars on this <laughs> yeah they spent a lot of money on it like it, like that that's the title of this video actually five years plus 40 million dollars like they spent five years on this game and it still came out as shit as it did so so here's my question to wrap it up and we could have done we could do a whole series just about this this series alone but i i asked myself many times especially after the failure that was andromeda would i want them to make another one would i want them to do more of the mass effect series and honestly i genuinely don't think so i think as a game series it should end and it should really be looked at as mass effect one two and three forget andromeda and as Zed mentioned, I mean, I think the lore of it itself is why it's gone into books, comic books, animated uh, specials and things like that. I think a Mass Effect, I don't think a movie is necessary, but definitely something on HBO or any of these streaming networks. I think what we should do is let it go. Let 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 what it what has happened stay there, be respected, and just let it morph into another medium so that way we can explore it in a way other than the games. Yeah. I agree. I I think if there was ever to be a game again, I would like it to be a Mass Effect prequel. So like going over the the first contact war, maybe starring Anderson. Maybe. Like, yeah, I, mean, I, I would go for I would go for like a prequel, but not by not by those people. Bring the original studio back. Pretty much. Yeah. But that's not going to happen because of legality and business interests and other stuff. Fuck. Me personally, I think the original trilogy was a product of its time and you can't replicate what they did. It was, it was you know, you, you just can't you you it won't live up to the expectations of the previous trilogy. I think what we can do now is they built a good basis of the lore and the story. 
now, I think Mass Effect should just live on through books and comics and other media. Because then Agreed. you can actually build on it and you don't have to you know, have a huge audience to please. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it wasn't just the fact that it was a video game itself. It was good. It was, the, it was everything about it which made it a good game to play. It can live on in other, in other medium. Yeah. And I, I highly recommend people read the books and watch the animated movies they made as well. It's, it's as good as playing the games. Awesome stuff. Well, folks, hopefully we've taken you a trip down memory lane. And maybe if you haven't touched these games in a while, now I'm more now, now I'm actually, it's the weekend by the time we're recording this. I might go pick up mass effect two and start from the beginning myself. So good. as always, Derek Zed, thank you both for being part of tonight's degenerate panel. RIP Doyle. Who's probably out actually having fun, um, oh, guys? It was uh, it was a pleasure. <laughs> we're having fun, but Doyle had his girlfriend with him, so of course That's he true. Had his priorities. That kind of fun. He, he's in he's in the White People Beach in Delaware. Well, folks, as always, if you like this, go ahead and engage me online. Go ahead and check me out, Parlor, just at Remso, and you know where to find me. How the internet works. As always, we'll be back in a few days. You're listening to On the Run. I'm Remso W. Martinez with the Degenerate Panel. I'll talk to you later, America. Good night. Check out our other shows and more from the We Are Libertarians Network at wearelibertarians.com.